Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on this Wednesday morning, the 15th of March. Uh, the Honourable Councillor Lawrence Springborg, Mayor for the Gundawindi Regional Council. Now, we spoke to him uh, only last week about the meeting that was taking place on the Southern Downs um, uh, regarding the crime and everything that was going on. The Gundawindi crime meeting was something that is just imperative uh, and had to happen. He joins us this morning um, and hopefully... Um, towns like Gundawindi and their proactive response uh, will help others in the bid to try and stop and alleviate some of the absolute horrific things that are going on throughout the state regionally at the moment. Lawrence, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben. Good to be with you too. How was it? Uh, 200 residents from Gundawindi, that's a fair, and across the border, that's a fair representation of just how much your town has had a gutful of um, this youth crime. Yes, there's between 200 and 250 people there, and it was pretty obvious that people were annoyed. They really had enough of this, but they were very restrained and extremely polite. Uh, and in these circumstances, it can be very, very difficult for people to you know, bite their tongue in relation to the terrible circumstances that they've been through. We've got people that have actually had you know, their, their cars stolen on three occasions, and they've had people come into their homes while they're sleeping because they're pushed through you know, a door or, or something or other and they're stolen the keys from under their pillows while they've been sleeping. So that's the circumstance. It's not isolated to us, of course, because as we know, uh, it's a problem that's becoming more and more endemic around the state. But from their perspective, they were very grateful that our local member, James Lister, had called this forum. Uh, we were not privileged to have a Queensland government uh, representative. The, <laughs> uh, the, our local member did send an invitation through the Premier, but we did have our local senior sergeant of police come along who provided a really good overview of what uh, was happening in the community, uh, the resources that they've been able to put into actually dealing with this in, in catching these characters. And of course, from their perspective, they take them to the courts, and for many of them, it's basically a revolving door. And, of course, the police have got their limitations with regards to pursuits because once they put their lights on, they're not able to put them on or pursue for four hours, which is really quite extraordinary. But uh, from the meeting's perspective as well, we were able to outline you know, a range of, of things that we've been involved in as a council, even though policing and courts are not our jurisdiction, not our responsibility. We have no power and authority over it. Through our advocacy working with our local member, we've been able to achieve a 24-hour police station, seven additional police officers. We're now going to have additional youth justice resources on the ground with more intensive supervision. They're undertaking to do more programs. And uh, I did meet with Minister Ryan after the invitation to the meeting came out, but the police minister, and I went through a range of things with him. Uh, we had an hour and a half meeting, including the frustration the police have, the real mind-numbing challenges that we have with a border community where you know somebody can steal a car on one side of the border and then basically secrete themselves into another you know another entirely different jurisdiction and he he, he undertook it that we had a good meeting uh, he undertook to um, take back a range of those things and one of the things I said would be really beneficial is that when we have linked offenses for example a car stole in one state bird out in another state and other associated crimes there should be a compulsory reference to um, those particular offences or matters dealt in another jurisdiction 
at the sentencing of that offender in Queensland, and that's something that they undertook to actually have a look through, through the necessary legislation. But, you know, we're slowly getting there with some of these things, but until a real deterrence is put in place and there's real consequences for actions, you know, the, the, the joy rides and the carry-on of these characters will keep going on because they they fear, they have no consequences. And the other thing, of course, is, and, I, and I'll just conclude on this, is the, the, the real serious intervention into a small number of families, and we're talking about small number, where yeah. you've got this cycle repeating itself is absolutely critical because, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, those children, you know, they're basically condemned to a life of disadvantage and crime, and uh, particularly when you've got sibling traits in the family because of their own dysfunction and there's a reluctance, you know, of the authorities to get involved in there. But as I've said to them, you know, if I, if I actually have a pet and I don't look after it, then, you know, we've got the authorities knocking on my door and the courts intervening. If I don't feed my child, you know, you've got certain interventions, but we've got children that have been brought up in drug-addled um, environments that a life of criminality and a failure to, to intervene. And that's, that's, that's the case. How's it ever going to change if we don't fix it? And that's the thing. I will say, and, right. and, and you touched on something just a minute ago, uh, Lawrence, is that Mark Ryan's hands are tied and he is trying his hardest. He absolutely, and I, I, I get a lot of people going up about the government. Well, I, I understand as the police minister, I get it. I get it. And I get the buck stops with him. But he, he is really trying to fix his problem and he's fully aware of the severity of it across this state. Oh, look, the, the, the minister, the minister's approach in our discussions with him, not only this, but when we worked through the 24-hour police station, was was interested and was prepared to put the resources in. And from our perspective, and I don't want to go you know, beyond, I mean, obviously the government has got issues that they've got to deal with, but um, they there has to be a recognition that um, the, the rights of law-abiding people is superior to the rights of those that seek to choose to continually break the law and and uh, with going without going into too many details because when we have these discussions you know there there's 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 an element of um, you know you're able to sit down and you're able to talk candidly but one of the things that uh, that I did really put through the minister is that we're grateful for the additional police but of course uh, that we could be we'd be able to get the maximum deterrence effect from the police if the perpetrators actually feared the consequences of being apprehended and what came after that because if they don't then they just keep doing it it becomes sort of a joyride for them and that's why you need to have everything linked up in the court process which is another jurisdiction you know the family intervention which is another jurisdiction all of those sorts of things where uh, you're told through the criminal justice system that, hey, look, there's going to be no more of this. You're going to go here. It's going to be in that environment if it's an alternative to incarceration. And I don't have a problem with that because the current system's not working one way or the other. So that you can get these youth offenders out of that environment somewhere else. You can break the cycle and you can actually separate them from those suboptimal interactions that they have with other people that just keep drawing them back into it. And that's you know, that's the key. Unless we deal with the causes of it and the consequences of it, then it will keep happening, not only in our area, but around Queensland and Australia. And it's becoming increasingly 
obviously and obvious. And, you know, the challenge, of course, is, you know, catch and release, as I've said to people, works well when when you're restoring fish stocks, but not when you're dealing with recidivist offenders. Yeah, you're dead right. Quickly, the Gundawindi Visitor Information Centre opening. Um, You guys are doing everything to attract more people to this beautiful town, and why wouldn't they? I mean, just recently you had the Hill of the West, which just sees an inundation of outside money coming into the community, and and as a border town, you obviously get a lot of traffic, and and this is something that you guys are looking to continue to grow and make even better than what it currently is. Well, we've got a we've got a great part of Queensland. I mean, there's lots of amazing parts of Queensland, and obviously, people are proud of their own areas. But we do what we can, working with our local community and uh, everyone that's chosen to be a part of it to make it even more attractive to visitors. Because visitors are also critical to you know our economy and being able to showcase what we have with our natural aesthetics and also the things we produce locally, but we're very proud to work with our visitor information set of volunteers to refurbish and upgrade and put a whole range of new investments in our visitor information centre in town. And uh, I was able to thank everyone the other day and more or less officially uh, open it in its refurbished way. And I had a meeting only a couple of days ago with our visitor information centre volunteers, and they're just completely chuffed with the new environment, the new place that they're able to welcome visitors and promote our area because, you know, it is a great spot and, you know, we really appreciate the work of our volunteers and, of course, we're expecting to see, as we do every year, uh, an increase in visitors this time of year because we've got many people hitting the road, particularly grey nomads, as it starts to cool down, travelling through. And you mentioned the Hell of the West. I mean, that's a showcase event and well done to all of our locals that are involved in that. There's some 300 volunteers involved in putting that weekend on. And, of course, uh, it's only a week or so away, uh, away and people can put themselves through that again. Yeah. You know, the, the two-kilometre swim and the 80-kilometre bike ride and the 20-kilometre run. As I said to them last year when I welcomed everyone and uh, we saw them run across the line, it's, it's actually um, – it's incentivised me to become an even better spectator because I'm not putting myself through that. <laughs> but my son's coming all the way down from Townsville this year. He's going to go yeah, in it. We've got other family members going to have a crack at the fun run beforehand, but I'm going to sit there and cheer them on. So, Good on you, Lawrence. You know, hundreds That's of people about. it brings in. Yeah, yeah, it's great for the town. It's great for the town. Mate, I'm pleased you're addressing it, nipping this crime issue straight. And a lot of people uh, listening to us, uh, their councils, are having to do the same thing as well. And when you hold these community meetings and you actually get a plan and you actually get some and hear what the people have to say, there is people power that will will make a huge difference. Thanks for being with us this morning. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Good on you, Lawrence Springboard. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland today.